Welcome to a brand new episode of Bro Bible's Endless Hustle, brought to you by Boston Market's all-new Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. The chicken sandwich wars are over. Enter the Nashville Hot Crispy Chicken Sandwich from Boston Market. The rotisserie everything experts and reigning chicken royalty for more than 30 years are heating things up this winter and putting competitors to shame with its first ever crispy chicken sandwich. Available for a limited time, guests can fire up their taste buds with the Oh Yeah, You're Gonna Sweat Nashville Hot Crispy Chicken Sandwich, plus two additional Nashville Hot menu offerings, including a spicy new take on its famous rotisserie chicken. Available at Boston Market restaurants for a limited time. In addition to being served in restaurant or via drive-thru where available, all menu items from Boston Market can be ordered for takeout, delivery, and contactless curbside pickup by visiting bostonmarket.com or placing an order via the Boston Market app. For additional information on Boston Market, its newest menu offerings, brand news, or to find your nearest location, please visit bostonmarket.com and follow at Boston Market on social media. I fought a good fight. I finished my football race. And after 18 years, it's time. Basketball players, we're really supposed to shut up and dribble, but I'm glad, I'm glad we do a little bit more than that. Eventually, every ball would go flat, but that doesn't mean that your life will flatline. What will you do when the game is over? Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 32, your Thursday edition of the Endless Hustle Show presented by Bro Bible and Boston Market. I am Matt Cohan, and of course, I am joined as always by my main man, Arthur Cade. How are you, Arthur? I'm very good, Matt. Great to see you as always. That was so formal and so loving. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best for you, buddy. I, you're, you have the energy that can take us into our guests, so can you introduce are not one, not two, but three guests we have for our hustlers today. Well, our first one is A-list comedy star Kevin James, his co-star Freddie Stroma. They have a new show on Netflix. It's a NASCAR sitcom called The Crew. Our second guest is NBA vet, one of the best shooters in the league, Troy Daniels. Both of these interviews were electric. Troy, I mean, we got the inside look at what it's like to play for the Lakers, which I was blown away by, but... I want to start with Kevin and Freddie. Kevin obviously is one of the most well-known faces in the comedy space. We know him obviously for King of Queens. Kevin can wait. He's obviously done the Sandler Rock Spade, Rob Schneider movies with grown-ups, Paul Blart. Everyone knows Kevin James. Stroma's definitely an up-and-comer. You might have seen him in the Harry Potter movies. He was on that really popular show, Unreal. And he's been on Bridgerton, which every girl on the planet, Matt, I'm sure your fiance as well is probably binging. But yeah, these guys have a great new show on Netflix called The Crew. We talked to them about a ton of stuff. Yeah, we did. And Kevin James is another guy. Like I know when we talked to Jay Glazer, we were trying to get him to say one bad thing about The Rock. We tried that with Freddie Stroma on Kevin James, but he seems like a guy who's like exactly like he is in the movies and the roles he plays. He's just a lovable guy. Quick as a whip, this guy. Wit, wit for days. And we only had 10 minutes with them, but, you know, it was a very fun 10 minutes, I thought. No, I loved it. And you know what I loved is Kevin James is an athlete. Like most people don't think about him as an athlete because he's this A-list comedy guy. But the dude played football in college. He wrestled against Mick Foley, Mankind, in the WWE when they were in high school. And, like, you don't realize, holy cow, Kevin James was, like, an elite athlete. And he definitely touched on that multiple times in the interview. We also, and I love this part of the interview, Matt, 
he's a lifelong Mets fan. And him describing to us, and I can't wait for people to hear this, him describing throwing out the first pitch at a Mets game and the energy, anxiety, and nervousness that goes along with that was awesome. So, yeah, I think people are going to really love this. And also just hearing about NASCAR. Like, he's become an enormous NASCAR fan. The way NASCAR got involved with this show and brought it to being with him, it's a very, very funny show. I think people are going to really dig it. But yeah, Kevin James, Freddie Stroma, guys, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Here we go. We are thrilled to have on The Endless Hustle today, stars of the Netflix NASCAR comedy series, The Crew, Kevin James and Freddie Stroma. Thank you for talking to us, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, not a problem. Let's jump right into it. Freddie, the first one is for you. I know Kevin is a big NASCAR fan, but coming from England, the land of the prim and proper, I'd have to imagine that there's a little more learning curve about how rabid this country is about NASCAR. How has that education been for you and how did you prepare for this role? Yeah, so like growing up in the 90s, and early 2000s in the UK, we didn't really have much uh, in the form of NASCAR. Um, so I didn't know that much. I knew kind of what the average uh, European would know and, you know, it seemed Talladega Nights, but... Um, yeah, I kind of just learned along the way, just looked at some some clips and slowly realized like, wow, these guys are insane. This is so dangerous and so incredible and difficult, like really difficult. We went on those simulators and it is it is not easy. Like you realize like these guys, are they are really well trained. Kevin, for you, you have been a longtime NASCAR fan. Hold so on I one wanna... second, Arthur. Hold on one second. Freddie, you're British? <laughs> 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 I thought that was Minnesota. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. You're a longtime NASCAR fan, man. How do you get these incredible drivers to be part of the show? How many favors are you calling in? Let me take some. I, I was I, I grew up on Long Island. I was not I am not a longtime NASCAR fan. When I was a kid, and I don't know if it was was NASCAR on like wide wide world of sports or something like that back then in the day. I remember I was a huge Richard Petty fan. And I would draw number 43, uh, draw the car all the time. I knew the mustache, the glasses, the cowboy hat, and I loved him. And I don't know where that love came from because I don't really remember I remember that and STP, you know, the, the, the <laughs> company. And then uh I've been a part, you know, you grew up on Long Island. You don't know, you know, baseball, football, all those sports. But uh, I fell back into NASCAR when I, uh, a couple of years back when I, I did a, uh, I was the grand marshal at a, at a race and I was promoting a movie and I did the gentlemen start your engines and it's insane. It's insane. I've never seen anything like it, what it's like there. It's like from the pit crews to the, you know, the, the infield where they had the tailgate, the parties and going on and the, the crowd. And the, it's just, I, I had no idea. So the reason I wanted to do this show was because NASCAR was really involved. NASCAR, you know, if it wasn't NASCAR and it was going to be NASCAR-like, I didn't want to do it. So with NASCAR, that's how we get everybody. Everybody, Ryan Blaney, we've gotten, you know, Cole Custer, Austin Dillon. And it's it's just, it's amazing. And these guys are incredible. It pisses me off how funny they are, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. especially Ryan Blaney. He really, it annoys me. It, he shouldn't be that good at comedy. Kevin, in 2010, I think it's the one you're talking about with Sandler. It's voted one of the most memorable NASCAR 
commands in history in front of 60,000 fans. How jacked up were you at that moment? Because you were like jump. I watched it on YouTube earlier today. You were like jumping up and down and you looked either nervous or energy or you just looked straight up jacked up. All the, all the above. Plus, plus I was probably about uh, 35 Pepsis in. So like, <laughs> yeah, you just get crazy there. And uh, I'd never done it before. You know, I, I think I did, you know, so every time I go into it, you're so pumped up. You got the military, you got everything like, you know, it's, it's a massive thing. And if they don't feel your enthusiasm at these, you know, they're going to let you know. So, uh, <laughs> so I laid into it. Shaq was in on one with us too. He did one, right? Was he that one with Shaq? Uh, this one, no, this one was just uh, you and Sam. The one you did in 2007, I think was with Shaq. And okay. you were promoting grownups, I think in 2010. Yeah, we're promoting yeah. these movies. And that's what I knew about it. So it's just insanity. It's just a lot of fun. Freddie, how cool was it to get behind the wheel of one of these beasts and learn to do this? Unfortunately, we didn't get to like drive, drive them. We, um, I mean, I got to get in the car, do the green screen stuff, which was fun. Um, we were supposed to go to Richmond uh, and do some shooting there, but COVID happened. So that, uh, um, we, that got canceled. But um, the closest I got was getting in one of those um, simulators and they... Uh, yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, I can drive stick, but that's like, yeah, it's a whole other level. Not about the what you got to an accident the first week driving it, right? You remember on set? Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah that that <laughs> day one under production. the bus, Kevin. <laughs> like day throw, one of production, like, over. rear ended by our star driver though in, in coming to the set actually got to an accident first day, right? Yeah, Kevin, no, I was I was driving uh, driving back from the first day of production. The guy rear ended me at like. 40 miles an hour, just smacked the back end of the car. Crazy. It was pretty bad. Kevin <laughs> uh, bringing the bus right on you, Freddie. I love yeah, it. Yeah. 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 And he was a champ because we had to shoot. I remember we had to get back to business and you were, you were ready. You were pretty banged up, I remember. But you, uh, yeah, it's a little whiplash and stuff. But we, the we, airbags go off. No, it didn't. So my head hit the steering wheel and I had like a little, little sort of bruise and a little graze. Um, my, my leg was a little injured and I had a little whiplash for a few days. But, it was all right. Go, go through it. Kevin, obviously you were a wrestler growing up and you got to wrestle with a man who ended up becoming one of the great WWE icons of all time, Mick Foley. And you got to take him down. I, I read an interview where like I took him down a ton. Did you have any idea that Mick Foley would become Mick Foley? No, he was the greatest guy. I mean, like I, I was a running back. I was not a wrestler. I never wrestled. Uh, but they needed another heavyweight. Mick was a heavyweight and they needed another heavyweight. And I was an athletic kid and I was strong. So I had a, a couple, like I, I learned a double leg takedown and that was all I knew. I could take Mick down, do that. But as he got better and better, he was just, he's just a crazy, he was jumping off the roof of his house, you know, into boxes. I remember this all the time. And the sweetest kid, his personality didn't fit what he was doing like he was just such a nice guy his father was like the director of physical education like it was just an amazing family and it was just a crazy journey he took man but he's, he's a good dude freddie is is kevin as big a sweetheart as he comes off to the general public or is it all just a facade freddie, freddie, facade. freddie? <laughs> about this no kevin kevin is kevin is amazing he's he's like he just you know he's done all this you know he's he's a pro and so he just makes sure everyone's all right and he's he's looked after us and you know he's he's really it's been awesome working with kevin he's 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 a real champ he's like kevin make sure you cast me in your next project as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah remember i said this kevin <laughs> 
please let he's got to take me with him. That's all. That's I'm setting myself up. Kevin, as a Long Island kid, and I've seen some great pictures of you with Mets. How cool is it to see Steve Cohen taking over the Mets and all the great stuff that seems to be happening with that franchise as a fan? Well, we needed it for years. You know that we were never, you know, even when we were spending money, we were making the worst. You know, I think we still pay what Bobby Bonilla a million years, is that right? That you know, um, we it was some of the worst decisions. You were like, what? And just everything just didn't seem to, you know. So it's like it's not just money. It's it's the right decisions. It's the the ability to go for things and and make the right moves. And it feels like Steve Cohen's going to be doing that. And, I, you know, it gives me hope. But I'm always, you know, as a Met fan, you just, you're afraid to go, you know, we're going to come out 9-0 and then, you know, topple again. But whatever. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. And I'm never going anywhere. So it doesn't matter anyway. I need something. How, <laughs> how crazy is it? Because we've seen some really bad pitches from celebrities. You actually did a pretty good job. But... Walk me through that experience when you're out there and you've got to throw that pitch. Well, this is the thing. Most people don't realize how high the mound is, you know. Um, so you don't want to throw it into the, the dirt, but you're, like, you're coming down so much because of it. You're coming uh, forward. I knew all this. I'm an athlete. I grew, you know, so it's like I can't tank it. And I remember Letterman saying you didn't throw it into the dirt. And he knew I did. And I, and I did. It's, I got out there. And I'm not kidding when I said this. I'm afraid. First of all, the crowd going crazy is, is it, it throws you enough right there. You're, you're, you can feel your pulse on your fingers and the ball, you know, like you're, don't squeeze too tight. But then I look behind the plate and, and they have all people with, you know, photographers are there and camera. And there was literally like a lady with a walker and I didn't want to throw, I go, don't hit the lady. Please don't hit the lady. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I also didn't want to lob it in there. You know how people do the lob? Like they just go, let me get out of here. And I'm just going to skip it to you. I'm like, throw hard. And then last minute, I'm like, go sidearm. And I'm like, sidearm? That's the stupidest thing to kill somebody if you go sidearm. But at least sidearm, I won't skip it. And I just, I don't know. I, I did skip it. I skipped it. But I, you know, you just try to overcome it with energy and look like a fool. Get I don't think it. I saw that one. Arthur, was, did, he, did, he, did it like dribble at the mound? Or was it actually make it into the catcher's mitt? Which one? Mine? Yeah. Yeah, it was just one skip. He made it. He, he picked it up. Okay, but it's one skipper. Yeah. Need, needless to say, Kevin James will not be Nolan Ryan in a movie casting anytime no. soon. No, maybe Rex Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Before we let you go, we want to ask you: What was your most fun experience, both from you, Freddie, and Kevin, filming this show? I had a, like the we we shot uh, the the third episode first, um, and we had just this fun. Uh, I don't want to give spoilers, but the, we we shoot a we shoot a, sh a commercial in the in the episode, and I just had a lot of fun. It was the first time being in front of a, a live audience, and um, it was just it was a lot of fun, and just seeing like Kevin just whipping out just different zingers constantly, and just having to try to keep up with him, like it's. Yeah, I mean that was it was a it was it was a pretty cool first episode experience. It is, and it's I have this you know it, it's the same thing I had with Jerry Stiller that I have with like Freddie, and and Dan Adut and Gary, and it's, like I can't I can't look at these guys once I start breaking because they're they're ridiculously funny. They play their character like it's insanely well. Their timing is there, and when he's playing this fool, you know a, a, this driver that's not the brightest in the world, and he's looking at me, and I'm trying to get him to do the commercial right. 
And he just looks at me with these dead eyes. It just, I can't, I'm telling you, I can't, it just, it floors me. So it's that and the physicality of you. Like Freddie is amazing at the physical comedy too, because uh, getting into the car that time, remember when you had to jump in the car and that freezing? And bang? <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be smooth and this and that, and he makes it look uh, unbelievably difficult. And it's just, it's, it's a talented cast. That's the thing. It's like, these guys are just amazing and it's, it's what makes it fun for me. So uh, I'm just hoping, you know, everybody gets to see it. Thanks, Thanks Freddie, gentlemen. Thanks, Congrats Thanks, on the Ed. show. All right, folks, that was Kevin James and Freddie Stroma. Make sure to tune in their terrific new show, The Crew on Netflix, debuts on February 15th. Our next guest, Matt, although I'm a hell of a three-point shooter, I think Troy Daniels is a better three-point shooter. What do you say? I won't give him that much credit. He's obviously a VCU great. He's a YouTube influencer, and he is... I believe at this moment, looking for a gig in the NBA after an impressive stint with the Lakers. I mean, to be honest, Matt, I was ready to hire him as our third co-host after this interview. He was, forget the NBA, both you and I were complimenting Troy Daniels on, this guy should already be thinking about broadcast content. Guy was fantastic, good looking, super articulate, understands the game, is really raw with his opinions. I think people are going to really enjoy hearing this interview especially when you broke into imaginary one-on-one battles between nba players and hearing a guy who obviously understands basketball break down some of these one-on-one battles i didn't agree with all of his answers but it was interesting to hear that but also he played for the lakers he played with braun and he told us what braun's 35th birthday was like and all i can say is matt you and I, our bucket list, how do we get invited to a LeBron James birthday party? That's all I want. Full disclosure, I don't, I didn't retain anything from this interview, so I'm going to be listening along with the hustlers at home because this guy was just too good looking for me to retain anything. I'm glad, Arthur, that you brought up the elephant in the room there because Troy Daniels, I mean, what a stud there that guy is. Yeah, forget, forget basketball, modeling. He probably signed with IMG Models as we were having the interview. <laughs> All right, folks, here is NBA sharpshooter Troy Daniels. We welcome on NBA sharpshooter, VCU great, and YouTube influencer Troy Daniels. Troy, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, guys. When are we going to see you on the court again? Do you have any idea? Uh, Believe it or not, I'm actually on the court every single day, man. But uh, on the NBA court in the NBA jersey, hopefully very soon. Pretty sure every team needs shooters, so that's something that I do very well at a high level, so hopefully we'll see it very soon. I'm a lifelong Lakers fan, Troy, so I got a lot to talk about with you. First of all, what the heck was that experience like last year? They call it a show. It really is a show, and, you know, a good show at that, but just an unbelievable experience, knowing how much history the Lakers has, knowing the championships they have, Kobe, Shaq. It's just, I mean, it's absolutely just an unbelievable organization. Everybody dreams of playing for the Lakers. Every NBA player, believe it or not, they probably would never tell you that, but believe it or not, everybody dreams of putting that jersey on, you know, being able to be a Laker. Um, in the beginning of LeBron's career, nobody ever thought we would see LeBron in the Lakers jersey and now look at LeBron, you know what I mean? So just it's an honor to put that jersey on and be able to uh, play for the organization. 
I mean, you can keep going, by the way. I have a Celtics fan sitting next to me, so just keep running <laughs> with it. Dude, we, I mean, we'd be happy to have you. I, I sure would. But <laughs> there you go. So there's the uh, Jerry West came out. He's being obviously being investigated for improper recruitment of Kawhi. And he, you know, reportedly left a voicemail saying the franchise is a shit show. So you didn't experience any of the shit show that Jerry West is talking about in LA? No, of course not. Of course not. And, you know, I don't know what his comments meant or whatever. But, I mean, when you're there, you're treated like a king. That's just all I can say about it. I can't really say anything bad about the Lakers organization, just to be honest with you. The NBA is such a business, Troy. And especially when you're essentially a three-point specialist, you're going to bounce around. What is the, the life of a three-point specialist like in terms of you bouncing around when you get the calls that you're moving or being released or whatever? Walk me through a year in the life of Troy Daniels. Obviously, yes, you bounce, you bounce around. But as a kid growing up, you know, my, my only dream was to play in the NBA. So being able to actually play in the NBA is a dream come true. You know, I never really grew up wanting to play for a certain team. I just grew up wanting to play in the NBA. So when I bounce around, it really doesn't matter to me. I'm still a part of the 450 brotherhood, they call it, um, in the NBA. So you might wake up one day and trade deadline is the most where you get the most anxiety because you're probably going to be moved. Your contract is easy to be moved and other teams want you because you can really shoot the ball and you can space the floor for other guys. So um, around that time when, you know, guys are getting traded here and there, you can easily be thrown in a package or by yourself for a draft pick or cash considerations or anything like that. So um, around that time, you know, I, I kind of get a little bit of anxiety and like, man, I, I'm not sure it's going to happen or not. But for the most part, it's just it's one of the funnest jobs ever. Yeah, it's funny because obviously you've got the James Harden saga happening right now. And Ben Simmons just tweeted out the emoji with the, uh, the smoke coming out of his nose. And he obviously is referring to he's just being he's tired of being mentioned in trade rumors. And it's right. incredible because whether you're, you know, at one level or you're Ben Simmons's level, everybody's getting mentioned and it's, it's gotta be such a pain in the ass to deal with. Well, no question. I mean, but the NBA in a, as a whole has, you know, is a way of humbling anybody, you know what I mean? Especially if you don't take care of business, no matter who you are. So, you know, I, I think it's part of the game. It's part of the business. Obviously we know, but anybody is free game, maybe a couple guys in the league, three, maybe three guys in the league. But other than that, I mean, anybody's free game. Yeah, you're such like an elite shooter, and I, I'd have to like imagine that if your name's kind of on the chopping block or on the trade block, like, and you kind of know it, does that affect your game because it's such like a technical sport and like it, it's like a head game in a lot of ways? So, are you like when that anxiety starts to creep in, it does it affect your play at all? For sure, I, especially when you're young, you know, you, you just coming into the league, you don't really know what to expect. You're getting comfortable with the city that you're in. Then you, you have to abruptly stop everything that you're doing in that city and go to a whole other city and meet this, meet these people and find somewhere to live. It's just, a, it's a lot. But as you get older, it's, it's very, very easy. I think my, after my third year, maybe fourth year, I got, I felt very established to where if I went anywhere, I, I, I would be okay. Obviously, I have, I have a little money in my pocket now. You know, I can do this and do that. And when you get traded, I think they, I think it's up to $30,000 traveling fees and stuff like that. So, like, it's, they take care of you. They make sure you're good. So, I mean, going out there thinking I'm going to get traded, I really don't even care anymore. You know what I mean? I, like, I, like I told you before, it's just like I'm part of the 450. So, wherever I end up or whatever, I have a job. You know what I mean? Now I don't have a job, so it's a little different. But if I'm in the NBA and I get traded here and I get traded there, I'm fine with it. So. We spoke with the former Steelers cornerback, Ike Taylor, and he said the greatest piece of advice he got was 
to blend in with your city. You know, he wasn't going to drive a Ferrari around Pittsburgh. You've played in Charlotte, you played in Minnesota, and then you sign on with the Lakers. Was there like a bit of an expectation to ball out a little more when you're in LA? I guess to a certain extent, but I mean, I know a lot of guys that don't, don't count each other's, you know, money and stuff like that, but I've always been a, a guy that like nice stuff anyway. You know what I mean? So if I feel like I can afford it and I can get it, then, you know, why not? No matter what city I'm in, I don't, I don't think the city changes anything. Um, about, you know, how I go about buying things and stuff like that. But if you want to blend in, blend in. If you want to be seen, be seen. But I, I don't look at it like that. I look at it as it's nice and I can have it. And there it is. You know what I mean? So You go to VCU. No, obviously not, you know, North Carolina or Duke. But you're a star there and you're playing under Shaka Smart. What's the journey like from, let's call it, kind of a mid-level, smaller school to get to the NBA versus – Hey, I'm a Duke or NC blue collar, you know, blue blue chip. No disrespect when I say this neither. And a lot of people know where I'm coming from when I say it is when you're coming from a type of school that I come from and maybe a little less than the school that I come from, you have to earn everything. You have to earn everything. You know, I'm not getting drafted off potential. I'm getting drafted or I'm going to the NBA off of what I did. And that's the difference. You know what I mean? I think, you know, for the past, I don't even know how many years, there's a lot of people that, oh, he has – the craziest potential. I mean, he's like this player. He's just like this player. People see stuff. They think they see stuff in players. And then they, you know, maybe nine times out of 10 or eight times, eight times out of 10, it, it never happens or it never plays out how they thought it would play out. But coming from where I came from, like I came through the back door, obviously went to the D league and stuff like that, went undrafted. Um, nobody believed in me when I came out of college. The only person that really believed in me, obviously my mom, but Shaka believed in me. Like he's still to this day, like it's the, the confidence he has in me is unbelievable. And he's actually the only coach ever that I feel like has instilled the confidence in me to be the type of player that I feel like I could be, but also am. Um, and he, like, it'd be times in the game where he'd be like, Troy, shoot it. Or he used to call me Buzz, Buzz, shoot it. And I look over, like, you sure? I'm like five feet behind the line, shoot it. I'm like, what? Like, he can mess up the whole offense. He's not worrying about the plays or anything. Like, he, want, he wants you to be, you know, that guy. Well, he wanted me to be that guy. But I feel like I have to earn everything when I'm at VCU, um, when I was at VCU. So, um, you know, mid-majors and, you know, low-majors and stuff like that, D2, D3, you have to earn everything. We're not, we're not giving anything. So everything that I've got of it to this point has, has been earned. Matt and I both played high school ball, and I had a brief D3 career. And people will never understand how good you guys are. Like, if I put Dwight Howard, who looks like he can't shoot a rock into an ocean, on the court, he's probably hitting eight out of ten threes, nine no out of question. ten if he's sitting there. Yep. That's how yep. good you guys are. Mm -hmm. So you go through all these levels of basketball. High school, you're a star. VCU, you're a star. Mm -hmm. And then you get to that playing field where you're no longer a star. What's the mindset change for you at that point where you're not the man anymore? Work ethic. I mean, when I first came to the league, I mean, it was like a, it was shell shock. Obviously, a lot, a lot of guys are a little better than you are, or a lot better than you are, and stronger than you are, and more experienced, have more money than you. Like it's the whole across the board. So it's like your shell shock. I think one thing I learned coming to the league as a young guy, getting into the league, coming from college as a star, and being the guy coming through the back door, um, that humbled me in his own. But just asking vets, you know, watching vet, your Vince Carter's, your Marvin Williams, just watching those guys each and every day. And it's funny because it, it's, it's kind of the, the, the space that we're in right now is, you know, it's a lot of vets that don't have jobs right now, but I think vets are very important on a team. You know what I mean? Just because maybe they're not, they won't play much, 
maybe you know, they might not play at all, but they, what they can do is help, you know, your young guys out by setting an example. They might not be as vocal, but they can just go on, on about their day and how they survived in the league for the past five to six to seven years, eight to ten years, that the young guys watching them. How does he do this? How does he handle this? How does he handle adversity with the coach? How does he take care of his body off of the court? You know what I mean? Those type of things, it, it kind of goes unseen. But I feel like the young guys, that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what I did. I watched, I watched all my vets, Francisco Garcia, how they handle themselves, ask them questions each and every day. Like, what, what would you do if this happened? Or should I, should I drive here? Or, or should I, you know, all these questions that I ask. And it made me a better player in the long run, no question. Jared Dudley is one of the greatest vets I've been around. There's not really too many young guys on the Lakers, but he still has a job with the Lakers because he's a locker room guy. He brings everybody together. He understands the business of basketball. He understands actual basketball, the game, um, very vocal, can explain it, can articulate very well. Like, he's, he's good at all those things, so he has a job. You know what I mean? So I think there should be more vets in the league to be honest with you, and I'm not just speaking for myself, I'm speaking for a lot of other guys because they've been there, done that. So when you get your young guys in there and they're just feeling like, no, I don't want to do this or, or I'm going to play the game my way, I'm not worrying about what coach say. Like, it can be detrimental to a team, you know what I mean, with, with your young guys coming in. So when I played for the Phoenix Suns, we were young and we were not good. And it was kind of tough, you know, because I was in the middle of being a vet. I wasn't a vet yet. And he had Tyson Chandler and he had Jay Duds over there. Um, but it was like, we were like pulling – Back and forth. We had young guys showing up late, young guys doing this, young guys doing whatever they want to do on the court. Coach couldn't control. Like, it was like a lot. You need your vets. Coaches can't do everything. Front office can't do everything. So you need your vets. Yeah, that's interesting. Because we talked to Myers Leonard, and he said, like, the same thing. He said Udonis Haslam was that guy for him. And, yep. and as a fan's perspective, you, you mentioned Jared Dudley. And Jared gets a lot of shit, like, from, you know, on NBA Twitter. Because, you know, he's a little doughy and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But so you're saying that he he is an actual staple and he deserves a spot on that roster. For sure. He's, he's, he's like a he's like a, a coach mixed with a GM mixed with a preacher or something like it's, it's, it's weird because all that stuff ties in. And then when you at the end of the season or at the end of the day or the end of the week, you're like, man, like does help me out that day. You know what I mean? He didn't make a shot, but he helped me out that day. I got through the day. I got through the season. I got through the rough patch of the, the schedule. You know what I mean? All because it does. I am obsessed with Alex Caruso. I'm in on the Alex Caruso phenomenon. What's it like over there with that? I mean, Caruso puts in the work. He's another guy. I mean, he wasn't given anything. Everything he got is earned. I mean, and his playing time is earned. Guy has unbelievable balance, athletic, very athletic. Earned, like, all this stuff that he does is earned. He puts the work in. He's, I mean, it's not a guy that they're just throwing out there and saying, hey, go uh, try to do what you do, and then that's it. No, he's literally – saying he's literally putting the work in and he's reaping the benefits off of it. So, I mean, he's just a straightforward guy and puts in the work, keeps his head down and keep it moving. He's an amazing example of a guy who's built a brand without trying to build a brand. It's incredible True. because – True. And, you know, obviously Matt had mentioned the YouTube stuff, but you were in the bubble doing YouTube videos. How important is it in, in, in a career to start thinking about building a brand, getting your face out there, showing you're more than just a basketball player? It's very important, and maybe half of the league, half of the front offices may not understand it, but we're most of the time looked at as just a basketball player. And I think the, the saying of the century, of the decade, where LeBron said, I'm more than an athlete, because we are more than an athlete. You are a brand. 
If you don't understand that and basketball stops, then what? You're not a basketball player anymore, so what are you? You know what I mean? So we are a brand, and it's very important to take advantage of all the resources that you have while being in the NBA. Obviously, I'm not in the NBA right now, but once you don't have it, you don't have it anymore. So you're looked at very differently. You're looked at as a former basketball player. You're not looked at as an investor. You're not looked at as, you know, owner of this or owner of that or this and that. Like, you're looked at as just a former basketball player now. And I think it's very important for us to even get the message out as players, even former players, to say, hey, we are more than an athlete. I do have a lot of stuff going on. I do like to post on Instagram and show my fans exactly what I'm doing or create an image for myself or create a brand for myself because all that stuff is important. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you have NBA teams out here selling jerseys and NBA teams out here doing all this other stuff other than basketball and their, their brand. You know what I mean? Why can't we do the same? And you can do the same. That's the answer. You can do it. There's nothing wrong with it. I even vlogged in the bubble. I, I didn't see anything wrong with doing that. I actually gave, you know, the media and my fans an inside look of the bubble that, you know, you probably would never seen before. And I think it's just very important for even younger guys and older guys to understand that all that stuff is important. You are a brand. You should go out and invest and learn how to invest and, and, put, and you know, own this business and do that as well as taking care of your work on the court. You should be able to do both. Yeah, the inside the bubble vlog was great. That was like the content that like the fans needed. So that was a how did, how did that come to be? Was that just a, on a whim or? I, I was actually talking to one of my guys. He 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 does my YouTube videos and stuff. He's like, yo, you should vlog the. You should start because I want to start vlogging anyway. Because my girl, she vlogs a little bit here and there. But he's like, you should vlog the bubble. I'm like, I don't know how that would be taken. Like, I don't know if I should. Then I seen Javale started doing it. And I was like, okay, maybe I should vlog a little bit. It's not going. It's not going to really hurt. I actually just started, you know, off the street for that, and you know, took it from there. Like it was, it just worked out for me. You're a good-looking guy. You're incredibly articulate. Are you already thinking like you're you're built for broadcasting? There's no doubt in my mind you're going to end up somewhere doing broadcasting. Do you already we'll start, uh, dude? You got the you whatever that it thing is. You got it. Do you already start thinking about it, or are you kind of? I know, like literally, I'm hitting on Troy Daniels here. Do you already start thinking about? that next step is that something you're interested in for sure I've, I've thought about it even while playing like two or three years ago like because the nba has sort of players association and the nba they have classes and programs that you can do in the summertime to be able to do stuff like that they even have a, a gm program that you can do it's a lot of stuff that i want to do but I, obviously i want to really focus on staying in shape and you know keeping my game on, on like in tip-top shape as if I'm in the middle of a season as well. But I, I, I would love to do broadcasting. I would love to do the GM classes. I even had a couple of GMs reach out to me personally while not having a job, say, hey, you're more than welcome to come watch some games, to watch tons of basketball, learn about the front office and stuff like that. Like I would love to do all of, the, all of those things eventually, but I'm, I'm just not going to let anybody write me off. Like I'm not, I'm not done. You know what I mean? Just because I don't have a job and they didn't pick me up or whatever. I'm not done. I have at least another five to six to seven years in me. I know for sure. And I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing until something happens and I'm going to write my own story. No saved voicemails from Jerry West, right? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> I know you're, uh, you're an avid wine collector. Can you talk about how that came to be and if LeBron peer pressured you into binge drinking? I actually was drinking wine before I got in the Lakers. Me and Book were like big on like wine. We would like bring wine on the road and stuff like that. He'll text me like this bottle that he got from the hotel and stuff like that. But um, I kind of got into it when I was in Phoenix, maybe two or three years ago, and it kind of stuck with me. Um, big fan of Cabernet. I haven't, I still haven't been to Napa yet. I have plenty of time on my hands right now. I probably should be heading out there very soon. But 
I really couldn't tell you any much more about that other than I love wine. I literally love wine. I don't like to drink alcohol like as much, like your hard alcohol and liquor and stuff like that. I'm a wine guy. So I like to drink wine and get a little buzz here and there, and that's it, and call it a night. Um, but with LeBron, I mean, you're drinking – I forget. What does what LeBron drink? He drinks he said he drinks every day. Yeah, he drinks wine every single day, but he's drinking, like, your wines from France and stuff like that. So, like, I'm, I, I can't afford what, he, what he's drinking. I just go to the store, your local routes or something like that, and I'm grabbing a bottle of wine, and that's it for me. You know, I, I would love to get into it for sure, and I think once I come back from Napa, that would be something that I'll really get into. Obviously, we know LeBron is arguably the greatest or the second greatest player. I still say – greatest but that's an argument between generations what was the thing outside of just knowing he's a great leader he's a great player what was the thing that surprised you most about playing with him what surprised me the most I mean obviously like you said we know he's a great player what surprised me the most when I first got there even you know later on into the season was that his work ethic we all know he's a great player we all know his his accolades we all know that he's lived up to the hype times 10 we all know that but how has he done that work ethic He's the first person. I say this every interview everybody has about LeBron. He's the first person to the gym. He's the last person to leave every single time. There's not a day that goes by. He's Every time we come to the gym, he's in there lifting in the morning. Then, then, then practice, blah, blah, blah. Then he's in there working on his body, getting treatment, this and that. Uh, and, and then I might be the last one to leave, or I thought I was the last one to leave, and I look, his car still there. He's doing something. He might be in the front office or something making decisions we don't know but I don't know what he's doing like he's literally the first person in his last one to leave and he and I see the work that he puts in which makes him so great obviously he has a little bit more help with the extra million dollars that he uses to take care of his body every year but he's great for a reason what was his 35th birthday party like for us guys who will never get to do that unbelievable very private very I almost felt like I was at like a, a mob boss's party like it felt like that it was that vibe Everybody dressed up in your suits and all that stuff. And you, you might look over, you might see somebody famous. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Who, I'm not going to say who was there or who wasn't there, but you might look over, you might see Denzel or somebody. Like, you know what I mean? You never know. And it's probably maybe 20 to 25 people in there. And it's just, I mean, it was just an un- unbelievable experience. You have a, a cigar, this guy over here rolling cigars for you. I'm like, wow, it's straight from Cuba. Like, the guy just rolling cigars straight from me. I'm like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? And then you got somebody maybe – over there making wine and all. I'm like, this is, this is absolutely insane. But those type of parties, I mean, you're literally enjoying yourself, listening to good music, and, you, you know, you're mingling, going around, and introducing yourself to a lot of very important people. So those type of parties you want to be at. Yeah, Richard Jefferson we had on the pod, he described LeBron when he gets a little too much wine in him. He gets, like, really kind of emotional and lovey-dovey. I'd imagine he was like that on his birthday party, too. Real physical, real physical. Yeah. He'll give you hugs and stuff like that, man. So. It was, uh, it was just reported today that your old teammate, it's actually, he went on to say that nothing's been finalized yet, but Jeremy Lin signed with the Golden State Warriors after a season uh-huh. with the Beijing Ducks. Lin, of course, had that emotional press conference where he said he'd hit rock bottom after no team picked him up. What, what kind of teammate was Jeremy, and are you surprised to see him back if he's actually back? One of the greatest teammates, always trying to pick you up, you know, when you're not having a good day, even if he's not having a good day, he's trying to pick you up. Making sure you, if you know, if you believe in, in God, making sure you, you go to chapel every game, taking care. If you need something, he got you. You know what I mean? Um, you know, maybe dinner every now and then. Like, he's a great teammate. Like, you don't come around a lot of teammates like that. So he was an overall great teammate, obviously a great player, too. If it is true what it 
you know, what, what they said is going to happen and it does happen, I'm very happy for him because, you know, everybody's dream is to play in the NBA and last in the NBA. And I feel like his was cut a little short. But, hey, that's his dream to continue to keep playing in the NBA. And I'm happy for him if, he, if he's back. You know what I mean? He wants to prove people wrong. I mean, he's made plenty of money, but he wants to prove people wrong. So I can't be mad at him for that. Let's talk about skill level for a second, because again, you're just a dead eye shooter. When you take a look at someone like you versus Steph Curry, mm-hmm. what's the true difference between how good a shooter he is versus how good a shooter you are? Confidence, and a lot of players might understand when I say they might understand me when I say that Steph Curry has a shot. Like when I told you I had shaka in my ear all the time in college, Steph Curry has a shaka in his ear in the NBA, and that's what you want. If you have somebody to go out there and say, "Go ahead, go." Do what you do. I'm not saying anything. Do it. The game becomes a lot easier. Obviously, I can really shoot the ball at a high level, at an elite level. If I was able to get the opportunity to say, hey, go ahead. Not saying anything. Do you. Blah, blah, blah. There you go. And the NBA is not like that. You know what I mean? It's not like that. You have people in your ear all the time. There's a certain way you do have to play. There's certain people you have to play with. Um, you have to learn how to play with those guys. Those are the guys they give the most money to. So you have to learn really the business of the NBA while you're playing, you know, the game. And a lot of guys actually don't understand that. A lot of guys that are overseas, they don't really understand that part of the process of why I'm not, why am I not playing or I should be playing over him or this and that. If you, if you have that mindset, you won't last long. So Steph has a mindset of like, you know what? I can do anything I want to do. That's why he's out there doing tricks and, throwing the ball behind his back and shooting it from half court because nobody's going to say anything. So if you have that type of confidence level instilled in you, the sky's the limit, especially if you can really shoot the ball and really score the ball. If you were to create a starting five of all the best shooters from either past or present, what does that look starting five look like? Ooh, Reggie Miller, J.J. Redick, Corver, Steph. I'll, I'll, be the six, I'll be the sixth man. There's one more guy. If you don't name him, I'm going to be blown away. Oh, oh, is, is it one more guy? There's um, one, there's one oh, more yeah. Guy. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm – and, and these two guys are my guys. I mean, like, if you say top seven, I got Ray Allen and Michael Ray. Like, those guys shoot the ball. Yep. There you go. I can live with Ray Allen. To not have Larry Bird on that list is criminal. I wasn't even born with Larry, when Larry Bird was making shots. Dude. Larry Bird, that, we, we've had so many conversations in this Boston guy. Listen, Larry Bird was – that dude could – it was a – he doesn't miss. That guy I've seen was, the film. I've seen the film. I know yeah. he could shoot. I know We're aging shoot. ourselves a little bit, Arthur. We're old. We're <laughs> we old. had Jalen Rose on the podcast, too, and he was like, you know, these young generation – You guys don't know. Like yeah, I'm, a part of, I'm a part of the young generation, but you look, guys don't know. Larry Bird. Larry Bird is, is – Bird would average 40 in this league. Bird I would – Dude, he was unbelievable. And Kenny Smith just told us Jordan would average 50. Oh, oh, probably would, though. Probably would. I want to talk about, I think it was your rookie year, because I remember this vividly because it was very funny to me. You grabbed a rebound at the end of the game that Harden was going after a triple-double, and he had like a right. main, like spaz on the court. Did he give you an earful in the locker room after the game? No, it's basically like, bro, what are you doing? I was more embarrassed that the fans were more upset with me than he was. Like, I mean, he was – he didn't really care. I mean, he cared. Obviously, he cared for sure. But he didn't give me, like, an earful in the locker room or anything. He's like, bro, what are you doing? I'm like, man, look, I didn't play the whole game. I got in the game. I mean, I'm just playing basketball. I'm not counting your stats on the bench thinking you got nine rebounds. I'm not doing that. 
Yeah, I'm so, not counting your money. So I'm, yeah, I'm, not, your stats? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But the fans were going in on me on Twitter. So that 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 hurt the most. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, can you respect that? Hey, I only had five minutes and he had 30. Like, come on now. So. Can you please explain to me what's going on with Shaka's hair? I have to understand the phenomenon that is Shaka's hair. You know Shaka's what? I, I haven't seen it yet, to be honest with you. Me and Shaka talk every single day. My, but my mom had called me and, and told me that he's grown his hair out, he's did something to his hair. So I have to check that out. I, I haven't seen it yet to, to, to comment on it. But I'll definitely go look at that. I've heard about it. It's, it's something weird. I can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, kind of like a chia not. pet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Crazy. think I've seen it either. I got to check it out too. Troy, I know your former team, the Phoenix Suns, was this season's bubble champions. You know, what was it like to see Devin and those guys succeed in there, especially after so many uh, difficult seasons? I mean, it was actually, it was great. It was great. Um, obviously, that's a great coach they have and the great coaching staff that they have in, in the, um, on that team. Not saying that the coaching staffs previously, the coaching staffs are not good, but that those type of guys are really good for – the guys that they have on the team and, and book alone, like he deserves to be a winner. That's all he wants to do is win. You can't win by yourself though. You have to have the personnel and the coaching staff to put you in the right position to win. And I, I think this is the team that, you know, that's going to go really far. And they really changed the roster to go forward to actually make a real run in the playoffs this year um, by getting Chris Paul. That was one of the things that they, they, they did a great job. He's already winning. He's dating Kendall Jenner. The guy's already won a championship <laughs> in my book. Right. <laughs> Getting to play with the Nuggets, how good – my first question is, how good is Michael Porter Jr.? Oh, really good. Really good. I know I talked about potential a lot earlier in the, in the interview, but he has a lot of potential. He has a lot of potential. He has a lot of potential. He has confidence. is there. You can't teach confidence. He has it to, like a, like to the extreme. Like He'll literally go out there and shoot every ball if he could. Like, he has that type of confidence, but he has tons of potential. Very athletic. Um, and to be honest, I mean, I'm not sure if his leg is still messed up or his back or something. Like, if he's 100%, he's doing, I think he's doing all this at like 85%. If he's 100%, oh my gosh, I mean, the kid can play. Um, so I think his biggest thing is just getting healthy and listening to his vets. Me and him had a couple, you know, times we got into it here and there, but if, if he just takes it all in, Look, man, we're here to help. You know what I mean? So the most potential, in the, you know, really in the NBA. And he can really shoot the ball. And, you know, he's a big body, very long. So, What is a situation like that like? You're an NBA vet. You've been around some of the greatest that have ever lived. And here's a kid who's obviously going to be a star. He knows he's going to be a star. And you're going to have some rubbing in communication because he may say, well, I'm at a higher level as a player. But you're saying, dude, I've been around – Braun, I've been around, you know, guys that you are even better than you might ever be. How are you able to get through to a kid like that? I mean, it's, it's hard at times, but it happens. You know what I mean? We're all human. And he's probably looking at it like the way you said, and I'm looking at it like the way, like the way you just said as well. So I, I think my, my biggest thing is nothing that comes from him is, for, is more so of me of creating, um, you know, that dialogue to say, hey, bro, like I've been around these guys. I've seen these guys actually, you know, put the work in, win championships, and do all this type of stuff. So I'm just here to help. You know, I'm not here to take you away from your game. I'm not here to, you know, disrespect you in any kind of way. I'm just here to help. And once I communicate that, and I'm, I'm an easygoing guy, and I'm, I can communicate with really pretty much anybody. So um, we got on the same page after, you know, we got into it a little bit here and there. But like I say, he's a great player, great guy, actually. 
he started listening to his vets. And he be, he needs some more vets around him for sure. But he once he starts listening to him and the more the more he plays, sky's the limit. Another guy I want to talk to you about, Kemba Walker. I saw uh, you post something on Instagram calling him your brother. What's that relationship and just what's Kemba meant to you? Definitely a big bro. That's definitely my guy. My mom and his mom, they go shopping when my mom is in town and stuff like that. So, like, we're really, like, that close. So, I mean, he's helped me throughout, you know, my whole process in the NBA. Um, I actually started with him um, in training camp with the Hornets at the time. And then I got cut. We ended up going to the D-League or whatever, but it was full circle. So I came back and you know, I think I signed a deal with – I signed a two-year deal with Houston. So like a year later, I got traded from Houston to Minnesota and then from Minnesota to Charlotte, um, which was like full circle. So I was like – I started on a training camp deal and I ended, you know, our little – you know, it was full circle because I was on the NBA contract and, you know, established by that time when, when I seen him again. So it was, it was fun. It was cool. One of the greatest guys in the NBA. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people will say it. And he's an easygoing guy and made – the man has made a lot of money, and he's still a very easygoing, humble guy. He's just like a regular guy, regular guy. And, you know, there's one thing. There's a lot of people in the NBA where the money will change you. I don't think the money changed him not one bit. He still has the same guys he's had around him since he was a little kid, you know, and he's still doing the same thing that he's been doing, you know, which is hooping and just being himself. So I'm happy for him, and I appreciate him. When you're with the Hornets, do you get to meet and be around Michael Jordan? And what is that experience like if you do? Yeah, Mike's around uh, every now and then. The only times I did see him when he came to practice is when we, you know, we we stunk it up the night before, and he's really letting you know. And his favorite saying is like, "You you MF is dinner and your paycheck today, or something like that." You know what I mean? And when it's coming from a former player, former great, you're listening. I don't care who you are, you listening. You know what I mean? And he's get really uptight, and we can respect it. You know what I mean? We always responded. After that, when he used to, you know, give us those talks, but we always respond after that. But I think it's just a little different from, you know, just a regular guy that hasn't never played in the NBA to Michael Jordan telling you, you this, you that, you ain't, you haven't did nothing, blah, blah. Probably can go out there and, you know, kill you right now one-on-one. -on -one. So, like, when it's coming from somebody like that, you hear it a little, a little more. That's the funniest part. We had LeVar Ball on the show, and huh? LeVar – in his little like la la land of thinking he could beat Jordan, and obviously Lamelo's there now. But, like Jordan could probably beat him missing an arm and a leg. People don't realize yeah, sure. fucking Jordan. You know, we're like about, different level. We're talking about Michael Jordan here, guys. Come on now, we're not talking about anybody else. Anybody else? We're talking about Michael Jordan. We're talking about a guy. With, how many championships does he have? Five or six? Six. Six. Come on now. Come on, man. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think he kind of sits back and when he hears those comments, it's like in the last dance, he's just like, "Come on, man, I, stop." I, I think he's. I, I, I think before he probably was boiling. At the, you know, his blood was boiling, but I think you know now he's like, "Man, come on, man, wasting my time." So, I want to throw a former teammate one-on-one -on -one matchup at you, and you get to pick one: Jamal Murray, Devin Booker. Who are you putting your money on? That's tough. I'm gonna give you an answer though. I'm gonna give you an answer because I, I mean, obviously, I played against both of them. I'm going with Book. And no disrespect to Jamal Murray, he's a killer, a killer. Book though, he's very, very different, guys. Very different. Even at early age, at early, obviously we've seen what is it, his second year, or third year, seventy points in a game. He's a killer. He's a, he's real. He's real. Yeah, I remember you guys got slack for that. I think because the seventy point, and I think it was who Jay Crowder was like, you know, I've never seen somebody you know so happy about a loss. How did the guys in the locker room take that? Well. I was actually on the Grizzlies at that time. That's oh, when, actually when me and Booker got into it, 
we had like a little scuffle and talking trash to each other when I was on the Grizzlies, he was on the Suns. That was that year. And then literally the next year, I got traded to, to the Suns. Um, and training camp was a little iffy around that time because it was so recent about me and him. But um, I wasn't on a team when he had 70, but I thought it was very impressive when I watched it. I want to throw another one-on-one at you. Steph versus Kemba. Kemba, what? Kemba, Kemba, trust me, trust me. Kemba. You think Kemba beats Steph? I think Kemba beats Steph. Wow. I think Kemba beats Steph. I think Kemba beats Steph. I mean, Steph can really, really shoot the ball, very crafty. But I've seen Kemba make a lot of guys' knees buckle. No disrespect, but defense is not really his thing. So, trust me. Is he really as fun to be around as he looks, Kemba? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I was telling um, Arthur, like he's a great guy. I mean, you know, very humble. The money hasn't changed. We made a lot of money in his career. Hasn't changed him at all. Yeah. You know, he's just a still the same guy he was in college and he is now. Like, he's very low-key, not really outgoing, you know, but if he you, if you rock with you, rock with you, but he's very chill, so. Troy Daniels, thank you so much, man. This was great. Sure. I hope to see you on the court very soon. Dude, you definitely you definitely have a great future in TV, man. No joke. Like, Thanks, man. I appreciate that. that I'm going to take that. Got it. Thank you. All right, boss. Good luck, man. We'll see you on the Thanks, guys. All right, guys, that was Troy Daniels, one of the best shooters in the NBA. Although I did lose respect for him, Matt. How the heck did he not know who Larry Bird was and Larry Bird's greatness? That, that I feel like, offended you. I mean, it did offend me. It would offend anybody who's ever watched a basketball game. You know, I feel like if I woke up from a 20-year coma, I'd still know who Larry Bird was. And, you know, for a guy who's, you know, at the apex of basketball, I mean, to not know your history like that, I mean, luckily he was so charismatic that I'm going to give him a pass on this. But if we have Troy on the program again, I mean, I I just can't, I can't let that pass. Uh, No, hopefully we'll have Troy back on a lot of times. I think he's going to be, a good friend of the show. Really great interview. All right, guys, that was a jam-packed episode of Bro Bible's Endless Hustle. We got another great one coming up next Tuesday. We have five-time UFC champion Tyron Woodley. He's returning to UFC 260. Talk about covering the gamut with Tyron. Wait till you guys hear this guy. He's got his own podcast, and after listening to him, you'll understand why. Our other guest is Detroit Lions linebacker, Jamie Collins, who was one of your favorite players when he was on the Pats, Matt. Yeah, I mean, the Pats shipped him out to none other than Cleveland when Cleveland was a huge dumpster fire. So we got we got the inside scoop on that, the Patriot way, how the Patriot way is different from other places he played. A really nice look back on kind of the inner workings of different franchises and what leads to success and what leads to being 0-16 like the Browns have for like 30 years. And from a timing perspective, because he's friends with Brady, with Brady coming off of his seventh Super Bowl, to be able to really hear the inside scoop of what it's like to be Brady's teammate, how Belichick treated Brady when they were together, and just how much he reveres the guy. I think people are going to really enjoy this timing. Couldn't have been better for this interview, and I'm really excited for people to hear it.
I agree. All right. As always, you can subscribe to Borough Bible's Endless Hustle wherever you listen to podcasts. You can look on our YouTube channel to watch Endless Hustle, full Endless Hustle interviews. You can go to Borough Bible's Instagram page. We're going to be posting all of the interviews on IGTV on Borough Bible's Instagram. You can follow Endless Hustle on Twitter at Endless Double Underscore Hustle and on Instagram at Endless Hustle Pod. And if you're feeling really generous, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Cohan, K-E-O-H-A-N and Artie. On Twitter, I'm at Arthur Cade. On Instagram, at It's Me, Arthur Cade. And as mentioned, we're back Tuesday with Tyron Woodley and Jamie Collins. Thanks, as always, for supporting and for listening. This was Bro Bible's Endless Hustle, presented by Boston Market. See you guys Tuesday.